Well, today we're going to conclude our three-part series called All In. Say All In. So far, we've talked about being all in with Jesus, and we've been talking about, last Sunday, we talked about that we are all in for each other. Today, we're going to talk about being all in for the world, all in for the world. See, at the Grace Place, we desire to make an impact in two areas. You hear this quite often, and uh, it's on purpose, all right? And uh, those two areas are we want to make an impact locally and and globally, obviously, I'm not talking about it enough. Amen. See, we care for people both inside our house as well as outside our house. We provide care for our people and we partner with caring ministries around the world. At the Grace Place, we have four main focuses. It's not the only thing we focus on. It's not the only things that we do, but we have four main focuses. Say them with me. We gather, grow, give, and go. Yeah, that's the four focuses that we have here at, at the Grace Place. Well, last Sunday we talked about gathering and we talked about growing. Today we're going to talk about giving and we're going to talk about going. Now, gathering and growing have an inward focus. Giving and going have an outward focus. You see, we're not just all in for ourselves, but we are all in for the yeah, we're all in for the world. Here's what I believe, and that is people who are all in for the world will have an outward focus. And this outward focus will include two things. Number one, it includes giving. Say giving. giving. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 9 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits. Say first fruits. Are we to give the Lord our leftovers? No, the Bible says we are to honor the Lord with our possessions, with the first fruits of all, say all, all, of all of our increase. Now, you know, in the natural, a thermometer is used to check the temperature of our bodies. Our temperature is used to help determine our physical health. Well, here's what I believe, and that is that giving is like a spiritual thermometer. It helps to determine our spiritual health. So I want to suggest four things about giving this morning. Four things about giving. Some of this I've talked about many times, but it, we're going to reiterate. We're going to talk about it again. And I think we need to this morning. But I want to give you four things about giving. First of all, I want to share this. And that is what's in our heart will come out in our hands. What's in our heart will come out. In our hands. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21, Jesus says where your treasure is or where your money is or where your possessions are. Jesus says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus was saying that we invest our money in what we, in what we love. See, our possessions say a whole lot about us. Our possessions say so, so much about us as an individual. In fact, our possessions reflect our priorities. You know, and I've said this before, but without knowing a person, I mean, I can meet them for the very first time, but without knowing a person at all, I can tell you what is important to them and I can tell you what is not. Say, man, you must be really smart. Well, that's beside the point. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. How can I do that? I can do that by looking at their finances. 
Just give me their finances and I can tell you what is important to them and I can tell you what is not important to them. It's based on where they spend their money. Now, I'm not smart like that. That's what Jesus said, amen? What's in our heart will come out in our hands. I believe people who are all in for the world will invest in missions. Thank you, thank you. So at the Grace Place, we invest heavily in missions. You hear us say this quite often. We support on a monthly basis approximately 140 missionaries. Every single month, 140 missionaries get a check from the Grace Place. Besides that, we invest in around 10 special missions Projects All total somewhere in the $400,000 range is an average year of investment for us in mission. See, what is in our heart comes out in our hands. Second thing that I want to say about giving is, and that is we should give according to what we have. We should give in accordance to what we have. In Acts chapter 11 and verse number 29, the Bible says, so the disciples, watch this now, so the disciples, according to their own personal ability, according unto their own personal ability, sent an offering to Judea. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 10 through 12, he says to the Corinthians there, he says, he says, complete the financial commitment that you made. Notice what he says here. He says, do it according to what you have. Do it according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. What does the Bible say about giving? We should give according to what we have. Pastor, if I had $2,000, I'd give $1,000 to the Lord. Well, do you have $200? See, it's easy for us to say what I would do if only I had. But that's not what we're going to be accountable for. We're not accountable for what we don't have. We are accountable for what we do have. And our giving is not according to what we don't have or what we wish we had, but it is in accordance to what we do have. All right? Write this down this morning. This is, man, this is really good right here. Write it down. God won't ask us for what we don't have. God won't ask us for what we don't have, but he will ask us for what we want to keep. Think about that. God's not going to ask you for what you don't have, but he will ask you for what it is that you want to keep. I remember many, 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 many years ago now. In fact, I was about 20 years of age. My wife and I had been married about three years. We were pastoring our second church, believe it or not. We were living in the basement of the church. Our income was about $50 a week. So think about that. We're making about $50 a week. We're living in the basement of the church. We're 20 years of age. We decide to go on vacation. How many know that when you're living in somebody's basement and you're making $50 a week, vacation means you're going to go to some kinfolk and eat their food? 
Yeah, and that's what we did. We decided, but at least you get to get out of town, right? At least you get to get away. At least you have a little bit of a change. And so we decided to go visit some family for vacation because we'd have a free place to stay and some free food to eat, and we couldn't afford anything else. Well, long story short, uh, part of our stay was with my wife's cousin. Her cousin, her father, happened to be a missionary. We just happened, they happened to have a mission service one night while we were there with him. And so we attended the mission service with my wife's cousin and her father, who was a missionary. Well, the missionary, my wife's uncle actually, uh, gave the appeal and shared his heart and shared the vision and all of that. And while he was preaching, I felt the Lord, I I, I felt the Holy Spirit uh, remind me of what I had in savings. I had $800 in savings. Now, $800 is not a lot of money today, but 46 years ago, that was a a lot of money, especially for somebody that's making 50 bucks a week. I mean, no, that's a lot of money. And I remember as the Holy Spirit reminded me of what I had in savings. And he said, you know what you have in savings? I said, I know exactly what I have in savings and I know exactly what that is for. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, "I I want you to empty your savings account and I want you to give every dime of it to this missionary. I said, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) Offering came by. Offering bucket came by. I put $25. $25 don't seem like much, but think about it. I'm making $50 a week. That's a half a week salary. I have very few people give a half a week salary in missions offerings. So I, I put a $25 in there thinking, that's pretty good, man. You know, and it was. That would, be a, that would be a sacrifice for somebody in our situation, $25. And the Lord was okay with that, right? No, you've dealt with the Lord yourself, haven't you? The Lord kept dealing with me, dealing with me. And so after the service, I went to the pastor of the church and I said, uh, you don't know me. I'm from out of state. I'm Mike Benson. I put $25 in the offering for the missionary and I want it back. He looked at me like, what? I said, yeah, I want my offering back. He said, huh? I said, go get my offering. What did the pastor do? He went back, got the offering, brought me back my check for $25. I handed him a check for $800. I said, I will, I will uh, trade this check for that check. And he was glad to do it. Now, I said, that check is hotter than a firecracker. Ain't no way I got $800 in the bank, but I do have it back home. I'm on vacation. Give me a week. Let me get home. Let me take it out of the bank. Let me put it in the checking account. And, and, and it will be good to Go, hear me this morning. God won't ask you for what you don't have, but he will ask you for what you want to keep. Four things about giving this morning. What's in our heart will come out in our hands. We should give according to what we have. Number three, hoarders tend to be unhappy. In Matthew chapter 19, the story is recorded of the rich young ruler. Here he was, he had possessions, he had power, he had position. And this young man, the Bible says, he comes to Jesus and he inquires what the requirements are of eternal life. Now, we need to understand that this was before the cross. This was before salvation by grace. And so Jesus told him to keep the commandments, keep the commandments, all of the commandments, keep the commandments. Well, his reply to Jesus was that he had made all A's on his law report card. He was 10 for 10. 
Well, Jesus responded to him and said, well, then since you are at a higher level and are taking honors classes, then here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to sell everything you have, give it away to the poor, and then come and follow after me. But evidently, he was not all in. See, he was great with doing, you know. He was great with what he should do and what he should not do. He was great with doing, but he was lousy at giving. The Bible says that he turned and he walked away. But I want us to notice an interesting word in Matthew chapter 19 and verse number 22. It says, but when the young man heard that, that he was going to have to sell everything that he had and give it to the poor, that he was going to have to give everything that he had to Jesus. When the young man heard that, he went away sorrowful. See, we think if only I had more money, I would be happy. If only I were rich, I would be happy. But here is this rich young ruler, but we find that he is not happy, but he is sorrowful. When the young man heard that, he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. Listen, hoarders tend to be unhappy. Here's the rich young ruler. Here is his biggest problem. And his biggest problem was not that he had great possessions. No, the problem was his great possessions had him. See, people who live miserly lives, people who hold on to their finances with a death grip, people who gain their security according to the number on their bank balance or their net worth, people who want God to be generous with them while they are stingy with him, these people are definitely not all in. Hoarders tend to be unhappy. On the other hand, hilarious givers tend to be the happiest. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 11, it says, remember this. Jesus is saying this. And Jesus says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Jesus said, you must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or don't give in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all your need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when you take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank, they will thank God. Let me share briefly just five things that we can learn from these few verses. I'm going to, man, as I was putting this in this message, I thought, man, I've got I've to preach a whole message on this. this is, there is so much meat. There is, this is so incredible. But let me just give you quickly, just mention five things that we can learn from the, three, from the few verses that we just read. Number one, if we sow sparingly, we're going to reap sparingly. Small crops are the result of small sowing. You don't like the harvest you're getting? Well, it's a problem with the sowing, right? Number one, we, if we sow sparingly, we will reap sparingly. Number two, if we sow bountifully, we will reap bountifully. 
Number three, be generous with God and he will be generous with you. Number four, you hear this many times, if God can get it through you, he will get it, he will get it to you. And number five this morning, the attitude of the giver is as important as the amount of the gift. The attitude of the giver is as important as the amount of a gift. Verse number seven says that God loves a cheerful giver. Now this word cheerful is translated from the word hilaros, hilaros, which in English is translated to the word hilarious, hilarious. Let me ask you this morning, do you want to be happy? Do you want to be happy? Do you, then become a giver. Do you want to be happy? Then live life with an open hand. Do you want to be happy? Then be a river and not a reservoir. Become a channel of blessing that God can flow through. Give hilariously. Give joyfully. Give enthusiastically. How can this happen? Only through experience. Only through experience, not just once but twice. God has asked me to empty my bank account for him. And twice I have obeyed. But let me tell you that twice I have also seen God open the windows of heaven over my life not, so, not long after that. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, Jesus says, give and you will receive. You're going to receive this way. Jesus said your gift is going to return to you in full. So what you, you just really can't really give anything away. Jesus said you can't give it away because if you give it away, it's like a boomerang. It's going to come right back to you. Take that up with Jesus if you don't believe it. That's what he said. He said, give and you will receive. He said, your gift will return to you in full. Say in full. But not only will it return to you in full, but it's going to return to you in interest. And interest like, you know, we didn't even have, you know, way back there in the uh, inflated interest that some of us went through back in, when was it, the 80s, was it? I can't remember, 70s or 80s or whenever it was. But Jesus said, give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full. But he said, also press down, shaken together to make room for more running over and poured into your lap. And Jesus went on to say, the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Oh, I'm glad I got three people with me this morning. It is so awesome. Hilarious givers are givers who have learned from experience that the more they give, the more they get coming back to them. The more they give to God, the more God gives back to them. Come on, relax people. I'm not going to take a special offering today. We're talking about being all in for the world. God was all in for the world. And John 3, 16 proves it. For God so loved the world that he, that he gave. Well, I believe that if we are all in for the world, not only will it include giving, but it will also include going. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everybody. Let me make three statements about going this morning. First of all, we should go ourselves. We should go ourselves. There are two places where we should go. First of all, we should go across the ocean. And second of all, we should go across town. We should go across the ocean and we should go across the street. See, going in all, to the, all the world would include our world, right? Right? 
If Jesus said go into all the world, he's not just talking about going across the ocean, across the sea. But if, if we're going to go into all the world, that would include our world. The world that we live in every single day. That would include our family. That would include our friends. That would include our frequented places. But here's the problem. And the problem is going on a missions trip seems much more glamorous than living our lives on mission. See, there are people that go on missions trips that have never won anybody to Jesus. They've never witnessed. They've never said anything about the Lord even one time to their own family, their own friends, their own surroundings. But, oh, they want to go and do something awesome on a missions trip. And you know I'm for missions trips. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that going on a missions trip seems much more glamorous than living our lives on mission. And not only should we go on missions trips, but we should live our life on mission. So to be all in for the world certainly means the entire world, but it also includes our world. So which should it be, Pastor? Should it be home missions or should it be foreign missions? It should be both. It should be both. Listen, listen, if you have never been on a missions trip, I challenge you to go the next time we go. Normally we have one or two. The pandemic has stopped it. We can't even get into those countries right now. But the time will come when that ban will be lifted and we will go again. And the next time that we go on a missions trip, I challenge you to go on the trip. I especially, especially encourage you to go to a third world country. And see how most of the world lives. See, you have no clue how most of the world lives. Most of the world lives. I've seen it. I've been there. Country after country after country. They all seem to look just about alike. They all live in makeshift houses made out of discarded tin or cardboard or anything that they can get their hands on. Anything that somebody has discarded, they'll grab a hold on it and somehow nail it somehow, put it together somehow to get some kind of shelter over their head. And most of them live in a shelter barely, not not even hardly fit for an animal. There's no water, there's no bathroom, there's no heat, there's no air. Listen, the poorest American is rich compared to two-thirds of the world. You know, most of us in America, we complain because our fast food is too slow. Do you know how long it took me to get through that line? And we're complaining that fast food is too slow. We whine because the tires on our second car is wearing out. I challenge you to go into all the world. See how most of the world lives. And maybe, just maybe, you'll be more appreciative of what you have. And maybe, just maybe, you'll be a little more willing to share some of it. I'm, I'm sorry this morning. I, I'm not. I really, honestly, I am not trying to get you to feel guilty or make you to feel bad this morning. I'm just passionate about this. Jesus said the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. But not only should we go ourselves, but we also, we should go through others. We should go through Others. There's a couple of scriptures in my Bible that when I open my Bible, it just automatically opens to those scriptures, and this is one of them. It's Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 15. Paul writes, he said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is such an awesome, incredible, remarkable statement. Amen? Amen? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
But then he changes gears in verse 14. He says, but how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And cotton picking, he says, no, he doesn't, but how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they're sent? See, when it comes to missions, it requires a partnership. There must be goers and there must be senders, and both are called. I'm telling you this morning that not only are those missionaries that that, that are across the ocean or missionaries to a campus, a, a college campus, or whatever missions field that they have, missionaries must be called. But I want to tell you that God does not just call missionaries to go, but he also calls senders. Senders. There must be goers. There must be senders. Both are called. Both have a responsibility. People who are called to go won't be happy until they go. Don't feel sorry for the missionary for going. They wouldn't be happy if they didn't go because they've got a call. God has called them. It's burning in their heart. People who are called to go won't be happy until they go. And people who are not called to go won't be happy if they go. I'm a sender. I'm not a goer. I've gone many, 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 many times. But I'd rather stay than go any day. It's in my heart to sin. That's who I am, who God called me to be. Well, you might say, Pastor, how do I know if I'm called or not? Desire. Desire. Do you have a desire to go? Do you have a desire to go? Is it a strong desire? Is it a burning desire? If so, that's a good indicator that God perhaps could be calling you to go. But those of us who are not called to go are called to send. Paul says, how can the ones called to go, how can they go unless there's somebody that will send them, unless there's somebody that will finance them, unless there is somebody that will pay the bills for them so they can go. The Grace Place is a sending church. Not only do we send our money, but we also send some of our people. And I'm going to tell you that recently I've been praying that not only God would raise up senders in our church and raise up people and the people that give to missions. Listen, if you give to missions, you get prayed for specifically almost every single day that God would put more in your hands and bless you with more finances. Why? Because I want you to have a bigger house and a nicer car. Well, that's okay. I don't have a problem with you buying a bigger house and a nicer car, but most of all, I want you to have more in your hands, amen, so you can do more for the kingdom of God. But I've been praying recently, not only that God would raise up senders and God would raise up people that would finance it, but also right out of our house, I've been praying that God would begin to call some of our young people, amen, to be full-time missionaries to go wherever the Lord would send them. I'm even believing God that even in this message this morning and even as I am preaching today, that the Holy Spirit is going to begin to tug and begin to pull on the heart of some people, amen, that it is, it is God's will for them to go. 
Hear me this morning, literally millions of people will be in heaven and not in hell because we have gone vicariously all over the world through our partnership with missionaries and missions projects. Listen, you might grow weary of me preaching about this and saying some of these things over and over, but I promise you, if you participate in my challenge this morning, I promise you when you get to heaven, you're going to hug me, you're going to thank me because you are going to be incredibly, incredibly blessed, amen, because you responded to the tug of God upon your heart to give or to to go. Yeah, literally millions of people are going to be in heaven, not in hell because of us. Tens of thousands of people, oh, are drinking fresh, clean, unpolluted water today for the very first time in their life because of us. Thousands of pastors have a study Bible in their native language for the very first time in their ministry because of us. Thousands of children have a hot meal in their belly and no longer go to bed hungry every night because of us. And the list could go on and on and on. Why? Because we go through others. Third statement I want to make here this morning, that is our going should be ongoing. Paul wrote to the Philippians in Philippians, in uh, The book of Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 16, uh, Paul wrote to them and he said, when I was in Thessalonica, he said, you sent help more than once. You didn't just send one time, but over and over you continued. Your giving was ongoing. Our going by going ourselves and vicariously through others should not be a one and done, but should be ongoing. Amen. It should be developed as a lifestyle, one of the many good habits that we should be developing. I hope that long after I am gone, this church will continue to be a sending church. You know what has been in my heart for many, many years. And we've got almost halfway there, but I don't know if we'll ever reach that, that point in my tenure and in my ministry. But I totally believe that the day could come when this church gives a million dollars to missions in one single year. Let me challenge this house to keep your heart for missions. May the going of this house be all. Ongoing. The takeaway for the message this morning, and I love it, that is those who are all in go all out. Those who are all in go all out. Let me ask you this morning are you all in? Are you all in? Are you all in for the world? Father, I just pray today that you'll help us, Father. Thank you for so many that are all in. And Lord, I kind of, Lord, I've been giving a hard time today. I wanted more response, but I know they're with me because they they show me that. I know that they are. And uh, so I I just uh, thank you for the souls. There's so, so many, Lord. They are already. They are all in. They prove it in what they do. And I thank you for that. But God, there are people, even Lord, in our church, and maybe even people in this room this morning, they're not all in. They're not all in. God, I pray that you'll use these three messages the last three weeks, Father, Lord, to convince them and, uh, Lord, to become all in. Lord, we want to be all in for you. We want to be all in for each other. And we want to be all in for our world.